Our lesson this morning comes from the first chapter of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, Philippians chapter 1, starting in the third verse. Paul writes, I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about you because you hold me in your heart for all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to keep to help you determine what is best so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So there's a bunch of stuff I've done in all these years of ministry besides my ministry. Um, some of them have been a lot of fun. Some of them a lot of work. Some of them you don't know about and some of them you'll never find out about. But did you know I'm a professional dancer? That's the truth. I have been paid to dance, paid quite handsomely as a matter of fact. I danced 18 shows with the Lake Charles Civic Ballet. We danced 10 in Lafayette. We danced 8 in uh, Lake Charles. It was glorious. I was the Claus. Yes, Santa Claus. I was typecast, but that's okay. They begged me for three years to do it before I finally said, okie dokie. In Lafayette, we were staying in a hotel, the, the cast and crew, and it was, um, the cast started at like four years old and went all the way up into the 20s, and me at the time, I was the ancient one um, in the show. Our hotels were in Lafayette, and we would drive every morning to the, the Civic Center there in Lafayette, and we would put on our costumes, and in my case, I'd put on makeup and um, do our shows, multiple shows, every day. The first morning, we were driving across from the hotel to the Civic Center, and I was sitting next to a little boy who was one of my elves and his mother, and I was just trying to make random conversation, which is not easy for us Myers-Briggs introverts to do, and I asked the little boy something to the effect of, what's Santa bringing you for Christmas? And I could almost hear his mother's neck pop as she turned quickly to me and said, I've taught my children not to believe in meaningless myths. Not wanting to get caught in a dystopian diatribe about existential nihilism, I said, okay, 
And I just turned and started looking out my window. Made a note not to sit by that lady ever again. We got to the Civic Center, and part of my agreement with the uh, director was that since there were such little ones involved, that I would go into the dressing room and I would completely dress and makeup and hair. And yeah, it took a couple hours to turn me into Santa Claus. And I would not come out in partial costume. I would only come out fully dressed as the claws. So this particular first day, they've wedged me into the Santa Claus costume. I made that costume look good, y'all. There was no extra padding in that costume. And I came out of the, the dressing room and we were piddling backstage about to put on the show and here came my little elf whose mother wouldn't let him believe in myths. And he walked right up to me and said, I believe in you. Santa, have I been a good boy this year? And I did the only thing you could do in that situation. I picked that little kid up and I just hugged on him and I told him I loved him. Uh, yes, he'd been a good boy. Put him down and we, we did the we did the show. At the end of the show, the entire cast gathers around a manger that very clearly has baby Jesus in it. And even Santa is kneeling in front of the baby. And I became aware of a little boy who was kneeling beside me who was holding on to my little pinky finger tightly. And every show for 18 shows, that little elf was holding on to Santa's finger. He's graduated from college by now, and I wonder about him. I wonder if he discovered the joy of believing. I wondered if he discovered the power of stories to change lives. I wonder if those seeds I planted, those seeds of love, have matured at harvest time. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. It was his favorite church. He loved the Philippians. He had, he, his epistle in four chapters uses the Greek word for rejoice some 30 times. Paul wants us to rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice always. And he prays for the Philippians that God has started a good work in you and may God finish this work producing a harvest of righteousness. Righteousness is such a church word. Righteousness means that we're rightly related to God and that we're rightly related to each other. 
Yes, I did just make the sign of the cross because that's how we obtain our righteousness. It's not something we do. Righteousness comes through faith in Jesus Christ where our sinful nature is is healed. Our brokenness and our separation from God is bridged. And we are again children of God. And righteousness brings us in proper relationship with our neighbors where we can love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we can love our neighbor as ourselves. And that's what Paul prayed for was a a harvest of righteousness. And that's what I think we ought to be praying for in this season of church life that, that we want to see righteousness in our lives and in our churches. Lord, let us have a righteous Christmas. That's not how we pray pray right now. We're praying that we're going to have the first perfect Christmas. We are praying that our Christmas would put Norman Rockwell to shame. We want it perfect. And I've seen pictures of your Christmas trees. They're perfect. Look, symmetrical. They measured the ornaments. They're equal distance apart. That's a perfect tree. We've got a perfect tree at my house. The only problem is I have a nine-year-old puppy. And the puppy comes and extracts things off the bottom of the tree and brings them to me. Thank you, Rolo. I appreciate the ornament. We want Christmas to be perfect and we want Aunt Betty not to drink too much this Christmas and we want Uncle Harold not to complain about the gifts we got him and we want Santa Claus to bring us everything on his list. My grandson, do you know how many items are on his list for Santa? 238. I got to talk to him about materialism. But the fact is, there's no such thing as perfect. And if you're waiting for perfect, you're going to be disappointed. Some things about Christmas, I just... mm. Last Thursday night, I was drug against my will to the Lions Club of Gibsland, Louisiana for their annual Christmas banquet. I don't know if you've ever been to the Lions Club of Metro Gibsland, Louisiana, but everybody in that room knows everybody else in that room for three generations back. And so they don't tell stories. They just say, hey, Lester, number six. And Lester responds back, number 13. And people laugh because they've told the story so many times they're now numbered. And we're there and the food was good and the conversation was good and I'm having my little introvert moment at the edge of my table. I'm almost making it through. And John Cole, the president of the the Lions Club says, now we're gonna gonna do something. This is a tradition of our Lions Club. And he brought out this box of clear Christmas ornaments. And he said, what I want you to do is to take an ornament, just one. If you're here with your wife, you and your wife are gonna do something with the ornament. If you're here with a group of people, you and your group of people are gonna do something with the ornament. So Tamara reached in the box, got an ornament. Everybody in the room got an ornament. They were all distributed. And what ended up happening was we were going to sing the 12 days of Christmas. And you had to sing what was on your ornament. 
either as a duet or solo or a trio. Already, my Myers-Briggs is going into overdrive. The introvert in me is not going to sing in front of a bunch of people I don't know. If you're going to embarrass me, give me two days warning. Tell me what you're going to do to embarrass me. I will prepare to be embarrassed and will participate fully. Don't hit me the night of. Tamara, what ornament do we have as we sing the 12 days of Christmas? She said we have a partridge in a pear tree. Do you know how many times you sing that? I was praying that the bird would die, the tree would die, and the song would be, oh, I was in a foul mood, most foul. But I was trying to participate, and a partridge in a pear tree. It was great. It was glorious. I hated every minute of it. Next night, we're at the Oak Grove Methodist Church. They've invited us because we're helping them with their worship services. So I'm sort of their de facto pastor too. Brother Doug, can you and your wife come to our Christmas party? Oh, sure, we'll be there. Gary Green was invited. So we were there and it was potluck. And if you've never had potluck in the country, you have missed living because that's what heaven is like. It's like potluck in the country. We ate and we ate and we ate and we played Dirty Santa and they had their rules and their rules are North Louisiana rules. They're not the correct East Texas rules. I lost some of my presents that I bought. Anyway, I'm thinking, I've made it, Dirty Santa. You know, I sat in the back of the room. I talked to three or four people. I had a good time. They pulled out the box of Christmas ornaments and said, we're going to have this little activity. So if you're here with your spouse, sing. And if you're not, you're here with a group of people, we're going to ask you to sing. And we're all going to sing the 12 days of Christmas. And Tamara had already gotten in the box. I said, what did you get this time? 11 Pipers Piping. Yes. Only had to sing it twice, and I muttered both times. That's what Christmas is like, sort of. You want to go, and you want to have a good time, and you want to participate fully, but some of us are quiet people, and some of this Christmas nonsense just, you know. And I don't know about you, but I have relatives who come see me now, and they bring their relatives I mean, are you coming for Christmas? Oh, just, Andrew says, I'm bringing Mallory and then Mallory's brother-in-law and Mallory's mom and Mallory's dad and Mallory's grandmother are all stopping by on Christmas. Okay, this is good. I've got to go get some more chairs. Give up the notion of perfection. It won't be. Relax and let it go and let it be what it is and experience the love and grace and the joy that will come through the day because love and grace and joy will come each and every day. You allow yourself to be open to the understanding that righteousness is a gift, joy is a gift, 
Peace is a gift. Love is a gift. They all come as gifts of God. He wants us to exhibit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and he gives us through the power of his Holy Spirit these very gifts. Paul was talking about the harvest of righteousness. And I want to say that as a church and in this Christmas season, we need to be sowing the seeds of peace. We need to be sowing the seeds of love. We need to be sowing the seeds of joy into the lives around us, into situations around us. And we need to pray, oh Lord, let's see the harvest. That's how lives are changed. That's what Christmas is all about. The coming of of the righteous one, the King of kings and the Lord of lords coming as a baby so we wouldn't be afraid to approach him. We would be vulnerable and loving and we could experience the holiness of God in a real and human way. He came that we might be righteous that we would be changed and transformed. And that's why we come to this table. So we can experience again and experience anew the righteousness of God. So we can say, here I am, Lord. I'm not perfect, but I'm yours. Here I am, Lord, I don't have all the answers. I have a lot of questions. But I know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Here I am, Lord. Don't know how I'm going to take the next step in life. But I know that whatever happens, you take it with me. It's at this table. We experience anew Jesus being born in us. And we go from this table filled with his presence and his power. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.